Welcome to the Mums King Matter podcast, where we explore the multifaceted experiences of women and mothers and why it's vital to truly look after ourselves. As mothers, we are doing one of the most important and challenging jobs, raising the next generation. I'm your host, Lucy. I'm the birth recovery coach, coach for mums, perinatal specialist, personal trainer, yoga teacher, and matrescence coach, working with women to make sense of their motherhood experience. It is my desire to help mums like you step into your power and rise as the change makers that we are. Just because society doesn't acknowledge the value of what mothers do, it doesn't mean we can't value ourselves. In my spare time, I love hanging out with my beautiful daughter, reading and writing poetry, long walks in nature, and a good soul-nourishing dance. So today on the podcast, I'm talking to Zoe Charles, and she is the founder of The Cheek of It. And so I'm really excited to welcome Zoe. Thank you for joining me today, Zoe. My pleasure. Lovely to be here. So I've got some questions for you. And of course, like this is free flow and we can chat and different things will come up, different tangents and stuff like that. But I'd love you to start by telling us a bit about you, how old your kids are and what you do for paid work as well as being a mum. Okay. Um, So yeah, my name is Zoe and uh, I am 45 years old and I am from the home county, so not far from London. And I, from a really young age, had a passion for performing. Um, you know, I was doing all the amdrams, the ballets, everything, flamenco. Um, and I'm also from a family of many, many women. So there's my mum, and then there's I'm the oldest of her five, and there's just four girls and one boy in that group. And then my stepdad, um, he had another three girls, older girls, from two prior marriages who uh, at times have lived with us and stayed with us so there was a lot of lot of girls and then on top of that we had because there were so many of us we had a lot of um my parents called them au pairs but actually they were just foreign exchange students who had uh, not lucked out a lot of childcare instead of seeing the country uh, so they were not au pairs they were free labour and um, they were mostly women. So I had a, just a ton of women uh, that I grew up in, like almost like a commune. And my dad was not really there a lot. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, so I, my whole world has kind of been women. Um, so I, I went to, uh, I trained in theatre. I always wanted to go on stage. And I went to Brighton to a theatre degree and then came to London um, in 2000. And I think I will probably get to talking about all of that, but I, um, yes, as you, you said, I'm the founder of the Chicoet School of Burlesque and Cabaret. So I found my way eventually to the burlesque stage. And my passion has been working with women. Um, it's my na- it feels like a natural, it's mm. a natural gift for me to hold space mm. for women and to hold mm. space in which they get to feel nourished, empowered, inspired and have a lot of fun. And, and I also get my nourishment from and my fun and my inspiration and empowerment from working with women. Yeah. And then a little bit later in life than I perhaps thought, I became a mum. Um, so I had my eldest um, when I was 38. And then I, so my eldest is now seven. And then I had my youngest uh, four years ago. So now four. So I've got two boys, two gorgeous boys who are seven and four. Mm, gosh. Well, thank you for sharing that. All so amazing to hear surrounded by women and 
I love that you've said hold space because that's something that I think I probably first became aware of maybe about six, seven years ago or something. But um, yeah, and I think when we first connected, uh, I said to you, I'm so looking forward to doing your classes or the classes at the cheek of it. And the I'm sure, you know, the transformation or the feelings that come up will be like huge and powerful and amazing. So, yeah, you must witness that all the time, right? Yeah, hugely. And I mean, I've, we've been running 16 years now and I've worked, had the pleasure and the privilege to work with literally thousands of women in mm. um, different walks of life. And but for me, what is a little, I mean, if there are other places, that, loads of wonderful places you can learn burlesque in London and across the UK and the world. But something that's really important to me is the performance element. So all of our courses end with the show. And yeah. that's, that's a little unusual because it's throwing people in the deep end. But I believe that's the transformation. You'll get so much transformation from each class, but it's the getting up on the stage and performing. Um, As a burlesque performer, it's very different from any other kind of performance. I feel like it's a rite of passage. Um, Yes. And it's so, you know, it's the striptease element is one really big element, but there's so much else going on as as your story to tell the narrative. There's so many creative decisions and choices and expressions you make along the way from the costumes you choose to wear, you know, the props you might choose from the story you're telling, the music, huge. And anything goes, Mm. anything goes, literally. Um, Mm. And then having that experience of performing um, in front of an audience that is so celebratory, um, you can't undo it. So you you get off stage and I feel like, like any of these big moments, like giving birth, getting married, Mm. anything, you know, that you, there is a before and after. Like you, mm. you, you know, you you are changed. You've made mm. a, a declaration to yourself in some way, yeah. and um, that transforms you. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. It's not a surprise to me that then people want to come back and do it again because it just feels so good and it's so really you know, yes. And especially the backdrop of the society that we live in. I mean, it's changed dramatically in 16 years for women, but still, so many of the core disempowering beliefs are there. That, yes. You know, we're not enough and um we need to fix mm. ourselves and that is changing a lot that is changing a lot but um that is you know one of the things that we kind of deal with straight away is overriding those disempowering beliefs with some new empowering ones right wow yeah and I feel like we could talk for hours because I have so many sort of questions and yeah but it's just gorgeous to hear more about what you do and would you I hope you don't mind me asking now but like is one of the things that comes up for people because I can imagine it would with me or my clients like the question early on say of like how much flesh to show like that kind of thing and yeah it just sounds incredible I can't wait <laughs> yeah and we always say whatever you feel comfortable with so we will have some performers you'll get to the show and they'll be like I really don't want to take anything off and like that's absolutely fine mm. but it doesn't have to be striptease um, that's one element of it. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's, it's always a choice. It's always what people feel comfortable with. And mm. you know, so much of it is in the the energy of it, not not always about what you're taking off. It's in the energy of how you're performing. Yeah, yeah. Would you, and this is something that I will sort of, I'm asking for me and also like people I work with and people who I know who will be listening, but do you have, do you find that people sort of, 
you've mentioned it already in the way that you've said kind of the not enough feeling that we can have so so often I think most women every woman will feel that uh even if not every person you know at some point but um that you get someone say preparing to do their class and they're they're thinking oh but like I'm not allowed to take up space. I'm not allowed to feel confident in myself because that's something that's come up for me at, at different times from whatever it might be, uh, upbringing, conditioning, exes, that kind of thing that like, I'm not allowed to feel pleasure in my own body and how great I feel and look right now, you know? Yeah, that's a, that's major and, it, and it's, it never goes away. And I think that's one of the really liberating things is to stop expecting it to go away in a way. So it's like... You just let yeah. that go because I see it almost like an algorithm that, you know, the only way mm. you can create something new is just to do something else more often. And then right. that becomes your go your go to. But if you stop doing that, if you stop brushing your teeth, yeah. you know, you're gonna you're gonna get cavities. If you stop, you know, mm. whatever your practice is, and it's, to me it's a practice, it's something that you commit to. Um mm. and yeah, we will have we'll have those 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 wobbles and those meltdowns and those upsets like right up until you're going on stage, you know, and you'll have those thoughts even during your performance probably, but at some point yeah. something kicks yeah. in and this your your kind of sacred right to be seen and worshipped and celebrated yes. and takes yes. over and that's the thing to carry to carry mm. forward. Yeah, those those conversations they never really they never really go away. It's a training to mm. them and overwrite. Mm. Mm. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. And I can imagine like either as a participant or in the audience, you know, say I was watching the show, which I plan to do at some point, I will most definitely cry because I feel so fucking proud of the women, even though I don't know them. Like it's like this gorgeous way that we can see one another, you know, that that must happen, right? Yeah, I cry. Um yeah. but yeah, I know I know people who are not invested cry as well. Yeah. And and I think why that is is I, I do believe that we we are all connected and that we transform yeah. you. Um so yeah. I feel like when you perform for this type of performance and you go on the journey, I think you change on like a cellular level. And when oh. everything shifts and changes, it can't help but affect everything in the room. You know, energy molecularly is changing mm. in the room. And you see yourself on the stage. And, you know, especially because we work with women, of all, just every woman, all different shapes and sizes and culture, nationality and age, you see yourself represented. And then you have that, you have that experience. And you, there's, there's always a part, I think, of every person in the audience, like, I could do that or I want to do that or... Mm. You know, wow you know that that it's a bit like you know I always think this with my mum when I see my mum kind of step into her goddess Eve queenie vibes it honestly it trickles down to all of us girls we all like get a boost so I wow oh that's great to know I already had goosebumps but that's given me particular goosebumps wow yeah the knowing that I mean we already know that we impact our children but for me having a daughter as well that's so cool Mm. (laughs) oh love it so my next question is oh you've spoken a bit about this I was going to say what's your background in dance burlesque and performing but what led you to set up the cheek of it yeah so I I always kind of I didn't know about burlesque obviously growing up but I always loved the the vintage styles and you know, I did cabaret as a as a as a as a teenager and 
um, Bugsy Malone, all those kind of shows. Yeah. So I loved, always found myself in those shows. And I always used to get the quite sort of salacious parts. So I, I really enjoyed playing. Um, so I was um, in Bugsy Malone. I was uh, Tallulah. And, oh, um, amazing! In Cabaret, I was, I was, I did them twice. Did the Liza Nelly and I did like these are just like you know teenage productions. And then yeah. um, when did I get in the Crucible? I got Abigail, so she's like the, the um, you know the vixen kind of role. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I kind of slightly was started to feel uncomfortable for me as I was getting older, but uh, but I also just love playing those roles. So when I sort of found the burlesque stage, it just felt like such a natural expression for me. Mm. Um, dress up to wear heels to kind of indulge in that fabulousness, that self-expression, that glamour. Yeah. Um, but it it took yeah when I um I, I found that I was recommended to go and see a burlesque show because I was working with a, a friend of mine who I graduated from university with, and we were sort of deep in the kind of performance art world. So it was just quite head-heavy, lots of sort mm. of theory and thinking and research and cross-referencing and political. Yeah. Um, and we really enjoyed it, but it wasn't, it was a, not the nat- most natural place for me. And we were mm. waking work that was all about, what, you know, what was the ideal woman and about poking fun at stereotypes and um, exploring this world of the sort of 50s and 60s this was in 2000 so this was like you know ladder era this was this was side hero this was heroin chic anything to do with feminine was letting the side down was not cool like wearing heels at that point even was like everything was like looking very tomboyish right this was kind of anarchic Mm, (laughs) yeah and uh, we happened to be working in a theater called people show which is right next door to the bethnal green working men's club which is for the non-Londoners listen to this, it's a, in East London and it's a part, it's a club that was a, is a working men's club. But then uh, a guy called Warren took it over and uh, he turned it into a live arts venue, which is really well known. It's in lots of films um, mm. as a backdrop and a, a, a venue, a location. And he started hosting all sorts of things there. But one of the things was burlesque and this was like in 2002 or something. Yeah. And he said, you girls should need to come across and see what we're doing. And we went over and I was like, oh, Oh wow! Okay, this this sort of secret world where women were just 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 being on the stage, just being like fabulous, with no like having to earn your right. You know, it was just like it was yes. unabashed, and it was uh, mm. so so confident and um, unapologetic. So I started yeah. working as a first performer, and then a couple of years later, I uh, set up a one-off event and. Um, this, I was already a teacher. I was teaching very different types of people. I was teaching young people, young offenders, kids that have been kicked out of school, teaching performing arts. And yeah, that's a whole different mm. podcast. But uh, mm. I had the opportunity to do a project in my kind of personal development course. So I did this project and I um, based it on three words, inspiration, empowerment, and fun. And I wanted to create a gift for women that ha- had, you know, held the space for women to feel like that. And I wanted to do it as a hen party. So... I found somebody who wanted a hen party and said, like, let me do it for you. And we hired a space and we decked it all out and kind of made it into like this vintage salon. And we created a routine for the hen and had costume made for her and you know, everything bespoke, bespoke, bespoke. And then um, halfway through the day when they'd learned the routine, said, right, we're, we're actually, taxis are arriving in half an hour and we're going to a real live burlesque club and you're going to do this for real in front of an audience. Oh. And then we're, 
So we uh, we did that, and um, no one in the audience realised this wasn't like a real troupe. So that was amazing fun. I mean, they were like off the charts, you know, excited. And then after that, they couple, quite a few of those women wanted to come and learn it properly. So then I was like, oh, I'll put on some classes, and then then that turned into a course, and then they told people, and they told people. I've never ever advertised to Duke of it. It's always been word of mouth. And wow. yeah, I, I didn't know it would become such a huge chapter of my life. So yeah, 16 years and counting. Oh, that's phenomenal. Wow, I love it. Maybe, I think maybe I'm a very visual person, so I'm just picturing all of that and it just sounds so breathtaking and powerful. <laughs> oh, well done you. And as I keep saying regularly, uh, yeah, just thank you for what you do it's so fucking brilliant so so brilliant yeah so my next question is what do you most enjoy and find most usefully challenging about being a mum and running your business and in case anyone listening needs to know usefully challenging I find it's maybe best to describe as like sometimes kind of painful to go through but we know it helps us to learn so yeah does that make sense lovely I think so um well Becoming a mum was the most challenging thing that I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think many, many, many mothers must feel that. Um, oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. The first really big challenging thing for me with my firstborn um, was how I felt my body afterwards. So I think it it was uh, the birth particularly was really traumatic and mm. very different to how I imagined it would be, mm. as I'm sure many mothers <laughs> will uh, recognise that. Um, I had a very high level of uh, understanding what it felt like to feel good in my body um, Mm. from all of the burlesque and from, you know, the the world I inhabit and the communities that I I hold space for and I'm part of. So when Mm. I then felt incredibly disempowered in my body and very disconnected from my body, it was a a real mourning. It was a real grief and confusion. And I think I probably made myself wrong because I was like, but I know how to feel good. I know how to rock this you know I know how to and all of a sudden all of that was gone and I had to start a new way of piecing myself back together again Mm -hmm. um and that took that took some time and it took some letting go of the past the previous me and a lot of forgiveness and a lot of humbling and um yeah yeah, so it was it was a really big deal, and I, I and also it took a long time to find the right help and to even understand yeah feelings of what post birth trauma is. Um, yes. and everyone talks about postnatal depression, so I was like, I didn't really think I had that. Like, I didn't feel mm. felt very connected to my son, uh, totally mm. in love with my son, but I felt very angry, like yeah, about everything else. And I think that is what trauma feels like in the body when you are disconnected. From your body and you can't get access to source essentially yes source of yes who you are. so that that was really a, an incredibly big challenge um I'd say a lot of my that the the painful challenges or the pain the useful cha- painful challenges sort of mm. probably came full circle like I was going through them but I didn't see the benefit of them until my second born yeah, and with my second born, um, my I, when I got pregnant the second time, that was all fine. And then as I started to kind of get halfway through the birth, all of the post-birth trauma from the first one that I felt I dealt with because I had to quite a lot of help and really come through it, just mm. resurfaced, and I started to feel incredibly scared. Mm. Um, 
and irrationally scared. And I realised that if I was to see the, um, the 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 midwives from my first birth in the supermarket, I would hide. It's like, oh wow, that's oh. that's really that kind of gave me a real reference of like how much I was a bit affected by that trauma. Yeah. So I, I really had two choices. It was like, well, I'm going to go through this just kind of in a victim state of, and just get through it. I will get through it. The baby will be born and I'll have to start piecing myself back together again. Mm. Or I'm going to have to hold, hold, take hold of my life yeah. and find a way to re, to restore myself and to claim reclaim my power. Mm. So one of the first things I did was um, I'll get this. This will come to the answer that you, the question that you asked. Gosh, no, um, take as long as you need. Was, uh, to go back to the first hospital where I had my son and make a complaint, and yeah. I did that. And I went and spoke to the head head of midwives there, and we had a conversation. I th- and I know a lot of it was just her giving me lip service, and I doubt any of what I said probably made a difference to them or, or was acted on. But for me. It was huge. It was yeah. just the act of the action of calling up, um, I think it's pals, yeah. and saying, right, I want to make a complaint. And then they took it really yeah. seriously and, and I had the conversation. But the other thing that was really so empowering and beneficial was we live our lives in stories and sometimes getting the facts is so liberating. And one mm. of the stories that so many women are told when they're, when they when they've had a baby is that they their the 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 complication with their birth was failure to pro- to progress. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. That's what um, happened for me. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, out of six of us in my NCT group, that was three of us. So that's right. twelve, you know. And yeah. That that we all ended up in emergency C sections and mm-hmm. were inducted. And I, again, that's probably another podcast. But uh, yes, yes. You know, I, the rage I felt and still do feel on behalf of women that you start the biggest challenge of your life with the word failure oh. on you. Yeah. And, you and, and even though that's a medical note and it refers to something else, you take it into your bones. Yeah. And you, how, like, we would never set a man up like that to go and, like, no. right, you're going out to for war to win this. Yeah. And by the way, you're a failure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just, 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 you know, you failed. Yeah. The body failed. You failed. Yeah. I mean, it just—it's it, so horrifying. And most women, because maybe they haven't had the opportunity to have, you know, the expression and empowerment and experiences I've had, may not even question that. You know, we're taught mm. to like shut up and shut up. You got a healthy yes. baby. What you mean? Yes. About. Um. And uh, so when I went back and I questioned the failure to progress, she actually looked through my notes and she explained what had happened. It was failure to progress is the laziest term ever. It means a million different things and rarely does it actually mean that the, the woman's body failed. It just means that you didn't dilate at the time they wanted you to dilate. That's it. Wow. And there are a million wow. different reasons why you don't dilate in the time they want you to dilate. Um, yeah. And for my my one was that my son was coming with his head sort of poking up. And if there'd been a more aware midwife, she could have just got me into different positions and that would have helped. And that didn't happen. So, But, mm. but finding that out. So one of my uh, painful but very useful challenges was finding out the truth and not being afraid yeah. to go and ask questions. And I usually am one of those people who doesn't want to ask questions or kind of just can quite happily live for many years in a narrative that doesn't serve me. 
and then mm. so that was that was really really huge and then when I had my second child we were just about to go into lockdown and I thank every thing in the universe that I managed to have my child pre-lockdown and didn't yeah. have to go through that um yeah. but the intensity of having a four-year-old and a newborn or four-month-old in lockdown mm. and one of the phrases I got very uh, rebellious and rejectful of is the phrase um, you can have it all, women can have it all mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I like rejected yeah. it at a visceral yeah. level fuck yes, yes fuck yes. I don't want it all and that is the ho- most horrible pressure and it's unfortunately it's one of those things that as a feminist you're like yeah I can have it all and I, I get the power of that and when I was younger it really did empower me the thought of mm. like, I can have it all, I can be a mum, I can be a career woman, I can be independent, I can be in a relationship, like I can have, a, have it all, in essence you can, but mm. at the same time, mm. I, and I don't think so, and I think the pressure on women, and again this idea of failure, that if you don't have it all, you're, yeah. you failed, you failed yes. as a woman in the modern world where we can have it all, and I started to, you know, in my coaching work and my circle holding work, share that so you don't have to have it all and I think the relief for mm-hmm. women to hear that and especially as you come into motherhood that's like there's something about mm. allowing yourself to be a mother and that's mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. yeah everything else taking a backseat and totally and I guess one other thing I wrote down about that is uh yeah a, a painful but useful thing is when people say enjoy it you might not enjoy it <laughs> You might no. not enjoy all of it. <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> not. Okay. No, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. It's okay. yeah. this pressure. If you're not enjoying, yeah. you know, being woken up eight times a night. And so I, yeah. I used to say, like, it's, it's like somebody saying to you, oh, enjoy these moments. They'll, they'll go so quick. It's like, oh, it's really hard to enjoy it when someone's bashing on the head of a hammer. That's because yeah. that's what it feels like. So enjoy it. Bang, enjoy it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Early early uh you know the uh, the first few years for sure i don't know if that was actually answered the question but oh gosh it really has it really has thank you that's yeah just so powerful to hear all of that and i i relate to um a lot of what you said um i've recorded another podcast episode about the power of the words we use and i mentioned failure to dilate um, because that that wording has to change and I believe it is changing in Australia that I've studied with some Australians and yeah thank fuck it is because gosh it's about time too but yeah you put it so beautifully you wouldn't say that to a man going out to war Christ yeah yeah and also what you've just said about enjoy every minute you know just fuck you I'm not going to enjoy every minute and it doesn't mean you're a bad mum because you don't and that's the thing there is too much pressure we don't have to have it all and you can step away from having it all and still be worthy and gorgeous and wonderful and doing the things that you do do beautifully you are no less than yeah Yeah. but these things you can see in the sort of the guttural tears and the big reactions that I've had and that clients have had and women that I've had the kind of privilege to be in circle with um have the sort of realization that they're that they're not less than that they're not failing for not managing to to do every single thing and sort Mm -hmm. of going in and out of burnout you know yeah 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 Wow. Thank you. So my last question, and again, you might have touched on it in a way, and it, it really sort of um, oozes from from what you're saying, but is what f- what fuels your soul fire and gives you purpose, let's say, as a woman and or a mum? Oh, 
gosh, I mean, so many of the things that I already do, I, I mean, I was really blessed as a child because my family's quite alternative, very creative, and um, they possibly would have been wise to have said, do some more practical, sensible things in your life. <laughs> but <laughs> I kind of wish I had done a few of those now. But um, they, my mum was, they were very much, you know, kind of from the utopian kind of hippie era, era and they were like, just follow your heart was really the main advice mm. and um I mean all of us have done that um so yeah I, I have had that opportunity and that permission to follow my heart so all, already so many things I do are my my soul fire I think I I have had times in my life where I haven't been in communication connection with women um and one of the reasons I set up the cheek of it was I was so desperately lonely um I just moved to London and I was I'd been in sort of made that mistake of thinking a relationship would kind of tick all the boxes and had lost mm. friends by moving and oh my god mm. I was so lonely and depressed because I hadn't realized that uh I that you know you relationship can only be one part of your happiness mm. um so when I set up the cheek of it I was I'd kind of maybe didn't consciously do it for this reason but when I started to attract more and more groups of women and it was just it changed my life I wasn't lonely anymore like and even though I might not socialize with everyone who came to the class it, it was the, just the connection just the just yeah. the connection of knowing I was going to be in a group of women that were all you know on yes. this journey together and were able to be vulnerable and yes. and celebratory together and it's mm. a very high it's a very light um energy and I find I'm able to do my work with that energy like I have I, you know, I, I coach as well, but I find like my my way of creating healing or transformation in the world and myself is in groups, and it is with this performance performance energy um, mm. and this fine feminine energy, as opposed to getting too into the therapy and the head. My parents are therapists, so I kind of thought, you know, I could lean into that world, but mm. it's not that energy is not for me. So my soul fire is in is in the is in the lightness, in the light, standing yeah. in the light. Even even with all of your all of your shadows, you know, all of your dark stuff, mm. standing in the light, shining mm. the light, dancing, moving, mm. um, and yeah, this the celebration of women. And interestingly, I've got two little boys, so I really didn't see that coming. I thought I was having girls. It's written the stars. I shall be having <laughs> girls. And I was so shocked both times. I um, I'm not going to try for a girl now because I would definitely get another boy, and I feel a bit too old. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just you know accepted and embraced that in this mm. lifetime I'm mother of boys mm. um yeah so lovely my my passion or my soul fire of for being a mother is 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 holding still holding that magic that I was brought up with and, and creating opportunities for my children to mm. know they're full of magic and however that that works for them and also holding space for them just to be who the hell they want to be because you can't we come in yeah. as mothers don't we with all these ideas of how our children will be but like almost like mm. with our desire to let them be ex- self-expressed we almost put all of our stuff onto them it's like they're, they're their own little humans and they're here yes does probably more so yeah um, yeah learning to get out of the way um mm. and mm. know that i am I am so fulfilled, you know, you can be so fulfilled 
from being a mother, but it is not your children's job to fulfill you. So yeah. keeping that, that those soul fires for me, really. Mm. Mm. I can be who I need to be in the world. I want to. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> I got the biggest smile. It's just so great. Yeah. The yeah, all of it. And last thing to ask if you'd like to is to share anything with regards to your courses and where you are and what you're running that people can perhaps tap into. Yeah, sure. So we, as you've mentioned, the cheek of it, we are in London and at the moment we have just face-to-face courses and we are in two different places in London, Warren Street and Camden. We run just like a school. We have three times a year and you can find us at Burlesque Cheek on Instagram or the cheek of it on on. on on Google and um yeah if you can come see a show you can come and see come and do mm. course come and be involved um mm. and then also this year I am setting up a new community which is um I'm I'm twinning with the words still but this is a a women's circle that will be online and possibly some face-to-face this is my new baby really which is um will be a space full of magic for women. And I'm not quite sure what it looks like yet. We're just going to start this year and see what happens. Wow, that sounds wonderful. Oh, I'm very interested. I run a goddess circle, um, which is like a women's circle, but I just want to call it a goddess circle um, because I believe so many women are, and this is the thing, I don't want to put the pressure on them to feel like a goddess um, if they don't want to, but I just see, so, see women as goddesses and that's why I call it a goddess circle, but yeah. That's uh, that's something that I run and it's it's precious, really precious. So yeah, I'm excited to hear more when when the time comes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, so thank you so much for your time, Zoe. It's been wonderful to chat to you and hear more about you and what you do. My pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me, Lucy. And here is a poem I would love to share with you. Because poetry means a lot to me. I write poetry, I read it a lot, and I've chosen specific poems for each episode, so I hope you enjoy them. This is a poem called Shapeshifter by Zoe Charles. Woman, shapeshifter, I see you. I hear you cry. Deep, down, far, far away. Exploring a new love that's as old as time. A little boy. A life force you've been spiralling with in so many forms for so many, many years. Way before this time. Woman. Shapeshifter. I see you. I hear you cry. I see you. Furrowed brow. Deep in the puzzle. How to be. How to function. How to love. How to feel. How to remember. 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 Remember you, that carefree spirit. Remember you, so confident and shiny. Remember you, so powerful and bold. Remember you, so graceful and delighted. Remember you. Woman, shapeshifter, I see you. I hear you cry. I see you, trying on your old skin, trying to fit in, trying to make it right trying with all your might to be enough for this little man, the world and you, to be so many, many things. Woman, shapeshifter, I see you, I hear you cry.
You are the hugest power and love and magic and laughter and joy and lust and wonder and open-hearted, bare-souled glory. You are the mountains, the fields, the river, the forest, the grass, the birdsong and the roar of the ocean. Woman, shapeshifter, I see you. I hear you cry. How dare you try to confine yourself to a size, a shape, a title, a role, an institution, a linear line of doing, doing, doing. You are not doing. You are the opposite of done. You, you are the undone, a circle, a cycle, a never-ending curve, a deep breath and a sigh of relief over and over again. Woman, shapeshifter, I see you. I hear you cry. As you hold your belly, once gently rounded, then full and tight, now loose and spent, I see you define one shape as good and one as bad. I see you feel the shame and unworthiness that comes from the outside, but feels like it's deep within, a deep, deep secret of not good enough. I see you need, need so desperately to recognise yourself again. I see you need to escape. I see you dancing in your body, but not in your eyes. Woman, shapeshifter, I see you, I hear you cry. You are not meant to be just one size, just one shape, just one thing. Because your gift is so much greater, because you are undefinable. You are unstoppable. You are the power, the blood and the glory, and that's just the bit between your thighs. You are the life force, you are eternal love and you are wise. Woman, shapeshifter, come home, come home, be with me, rest, breathe me, love me, I am your body and I love you. Woman, shapeshifter, I see you, I hear you cry, you are everything. You are rhythmic and perfect timing. You are courage, the courage to grow, to be, to love and grow again. Woman, shapeshifter, I see you. I hear you cry, deep, deep down and far away. Woman, shapeshifter, listen, listen, listen. You are coming back to life. And all you need is time. Thank you for listening to the Mums King Matter podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at The Birth Recovery Coach on social media or contact me via my website. The link is in the show notes. In the meantime, If you'd like to know more about my coaching offering, hop onto my website and book a free discovery call. Sending you love and peaceful wishes. Until next time, look after you.